Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for coyote hunting, fishing, and more. We're calling West Texas, and we're filming, and we called 36 coyotes in one night. Two years ago, three years ago, I had in one morning six bucks that were three and a half and older within 50 yards of my stand. Six different bucks one morning. It was in October. Went made my first coyote stand, me and my cousin. And uh, very first freaking stand, guys, we called up seven coyotes. <laughs> seven coyotes. Florida itself is a fisherman's paradise. We stick out in the middle of the water, man. There's water everywhere. Let's kick it in the overdrive. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products, and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. With today's technology, hunters in the field have more tools than ever to maximize their outdoor experiences. One of those tools is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based HuntWise app. The HuntWise Pro app is loaded with features including property lines, landowner data, windcast, huntcast, over 250 map layers including 3D maps, a localized rut indicator, as well as discounts of 20% off various name brand products. Step up to the Elite membership and you will get all of that plus HuntCast 2.0 with customizable alerts, Whitetail 365 which gives you season dates and local rut times as well as the best time to plant your food plots, a 15 day hunt forecast and 40-50% to 50% discount on name brand products. Enter code OVERDRIVE for 20% off your membership to HuntWise. Welcome back everybody to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. It's me Josh Mapes this week and I'm going to be talking to my good buddy Kevin Roth tonight. What's going on Kevin? nothing it's rainy out it's cold i think it's only 57 degrees here it's amazing yeah i love it i wish summer <laughs> would stay like this i agree sweater weather all year round i'd be happy as can right? be yep. we we uh we have a little bone to pick with some animals for you um you know you go out hunt coyotes all the time you'll take fox when they're in season and people want them gone you save all kinds of little critters, you know, like fawns, stuff like that. And while you're out trying to save fawns, a deer suicides itself in front of your truck. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was feeling, uh, I, I would say the deer are very ungrateful <laughs> is what I'm thinking in that instance. But yeah, I was actually coming back from coyote hunting unsuccessfully that night. Didn't see anything. And uh, actually got to just where there's an overpass and the guardrails had just started and a deer came up from, I mean, it drops off on both sides. The deer came up over that, jumped right smack in front of me. I had enough time to hit the brakes and swerve a little bit, um, but I still peeled her probably doing 65, 70 miles per hour. And um, if I wouldn't have swerved, probably would have been dead nuts right in the middle of the brush guard but because i swerved it caught more on the passenger side of the truck um mainly cosmetic damage the truck is still drivable they just 
looks like crap on the front end now. Um, I really think if I wouldn't have had that brush guard, it probably would have totaled out the truck. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, that's my guess because I'm guessing it will have just completely smashed in the radiator and all that right into yeah. the engine and all that. Um, the brush guard saved me from that damage. Um, so yeah, right now I'm waiting for, I have to get another estimate from another body shop and, uh, hopefully after I get that, which will be next Friday, uh, should be able to try and schedule it to get in, get fixed. Um, but the shop I'm getting the estimate from next week, they said they wouldn't even be able to get it in to work on it till like October. Uh, the first estimate I got done, those guys said they'd probably be able to get it in like the end of July, beginning of August. That is a long time for body shop to be wrapped up. And I've called a couple shops and a couple of the other ones were the same way. They're saying, yeah, not till October. I really don't. Anybody owns a body shop up near, let's say, Muskegon, Michigan, and got an opening for a Toyota Tacoma. Right. Get a hold of us. <laughs> right. Yeah, mainly cosmetic stuff, too. <laughs> I mean, I got to get a front end alignment on it. I'm getting that done Thursday. Um, but the rest of it is primarily cosmetic. You yeah, know, you, with... need, you need lights and. Lights, yeah, right. which should be the fog lights and the headlights, um, grill, grill shroud, hood needs to be either replaced or repaired because there was some damage to the hood. Um, and then like the um, cowling or whatever it is around the bumper. Yep. Um, and in front of the passenger side quarter panel, I don't think the quarter panel got damaged at all. Yep. Um, the wheel well cover, whatever they call that, is loose but all that is is like a plastic tab or whatever yeah. that yeah. holds that on but i don't think the quarter panel itself was damaged well i you know we could probably find a scrap of truck and just take some parts off it put your truck back together might be two different colors but we can do it you know? <laughs> right <laughs> i mean i this is probably the nicest newest truck i've ever bought mm -hmm. i mean when i bought it i've had it now just over probably two and a half years two years and when Has I bought it, it's been that long. Yeah. Dude, I went and checked it out for you before you went. I, I don't know. feel like it was that long. Ago. Right. I know it. Um, and it's a 2015. So, you know, two years ago, 2021 means it was what, six years old, seven mm -hmm. years old at that time. And that's still probably the newest truck I've ever bought for myself. And it was in great shape. I mean, the thing was pretty much mint and I've been taking care of it. So it really bums me out to have this happen. Did you kill that deer? Oh yeah. I just, all over the highway <laughs> oh really oh yeah oh well i hope the coyotes cleaned it up <laughs> yeah i'm sure um <laughs> payback i drove through there like the day after and there was still like deer guts and blood all over the expressway Dang. um the parts of my truck were gone i don't know who picked those up or where they went but they were gone like that light bar yep that was completely gone i have no idea where that went oh that broke I, off the frame i, I honestly think that's what broke my grill Oh, when that broke, it sheared both the bolts off that hold it onto that brush guard. And I think that's what broke the grill. But where it went after that, I have no idea. There were like three eighths bolts. Uh, three eighths or quarter. Yeah, something like that. It snapped some it snapped some sturdy stuff. Well, I mean, this was a big deer. It, it was a good sized deer. Even the cop that came and took the report it was a state boy he looked at it, he said man that must have been a big deer to do that much damage to that brush guard i said well yeah between that and hitting it doing about 70 yeah you know you figure a, a good adult doe weighs neck woods of what 200 pounds live yeah. weight 
170 150 probably maybe okay and i mean like i said perfectly smacked at like 70 miles an hour was that what it was was a doe oh yeah yep it's etched in my memory that deer right in front of my truck. <laughs> yeah, I've had accidents before where you close your eyes and that's all you see. Yeah. <laughs> you can't close your eyes without seeing, replaying everything. Right. And now you just drive by there to revisit the scene and relive those memories. I tell you what, I'm going to shoot more deer this year just because of that. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope you're going to do it with your bow. I'm going to try. Are we need to start shooting? doing that soon. Start shooting. I'm shooting. You've been shooting already? I've been shooting every day. Really? Yep. Wow. Only a couple arrows, though. I mean, I only do two, four, maybe six arrows at a time, but that's just to, because I put it away from January until June now, pretty much. I mean, I mm-hmm. started a week or so ago. But I, uh, yeah, after last year, not having any bad shots put on deer with my bow, I kind of want to keep that streak up. And last year, I just shot and shot and shot and shot. So, yeah, we need to uh, get together here and hopefully talk to the ORC archery guys and go do a shoot with them, um, use some of their arrows and stuff set up for us. And, uh, yeah, but I, I, I've i been shooting more to just strengthen my back muscles again because I don't use them any other time. So I don't want to go overboard and start shooting a couple dozen arrows a night. But once it gets towards, you know, in another month or so, I'll be shooting more and more every day. I just... I want to keep, uh, that's what I should do with a rifle. I know that's probably what you're thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and my wife had shotgun to that too. <laughs> we haven't talked about that one. Nobody that's even knows about that. That's a prelude. <laughs> well, I guess we'll talk about that on this set. <laughs> on this episode. Uh, this, that just yeah. happened fresh in my mind. Um, and still hurts pretty bad, but <laughs> let's, let's talk about the good sets from this. Sure. weekend. You actually just had one last night. So how last did that night. Go? Yep. So this is a spot I've taken you to before, you know, this spot. Can you describe it without giving it away? Sure. Uh, you walk out behind the landowner's house and garage, walk up an incline and it's about a 600 yard field that goes this way with heavy woods on the left heavy woods to the straight ahead and then there's just a thin tree line on the right is this got a big pop-up blind at the top or big elevated blind right at the top of the hill yep okay i know this spot yep you've been there yep um so he sent me a message two three nights ago saying the coyotes were going nuts out there which i had hunted it maybe two weeks ago in the daylight didn't see or hear a peep um but that night i went out there and set up and uh i brought my thermal with me and my plan was to hunt into dark like you know kind of like my favorite type of setup this time of year and uh turned the scanner on and did the uh battery critically low shutting down in five four three two one (laughs) i'm like crap i guess i'm not yeah i guess i'm not hunting real late tonight so that one i only hunted until it was dark and i scanned a little bit with a ir but i didn't hear anything at all so anyway fast forward he tells me he's hearing him out there so i went out there last night i think i got out there around eight o'clock and uh went up and i set up on the um thin tree line that would be on the right uh that's a corn field right now and i'd say that corn is only mm, top six inches tall 
and uh, set up. There's a big tree underneath there that's like on a high point that gives me really good visibility of the whole field. So I sat up there, sat down, you know, watched some deer for a while. Um, turkeys, I'm sitting there. It, so this thin tree line, I'm underneath a big tree and there's tall grass in that tree line. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I heard, and I'm thinking, that sounds like a turkey. Can well, you do that one more time? Because I don't think anybody understood what it was. Are you serious? Just do it one more time. <laughs> now, hold on. <laughs> no, there was no gobbling. Um, I so am I, doing it, though. <laughs> so anyway, it's not, it was coming from behind me, like, really close. I mean, it sounds like there's a turkey on the other side of this grass, but it shouldn't be able to see me because the grass was tall enough. Like not even a minute after that, a whole flock of turkeys flew over the top of me out into the field. And uh, so they got in the field and they were acting, you know, agitated. They must have seen me there. Um, and then they went over and they started hanging around with all the deer and I watched them for a while. So I played some fawn distress. I tried uh, Tony Tevy's new platinum fawn. Then I think I played a little fantastic. Had one fawn come over all agitated. Uh, she hung around for a little bit and then walked off. You had a fawn come in or a doe? Doe, I'm sorry. Okay. Had a have doe you, come in. Have you been had have you had much luck on fawn yet this year? I haven't seen a coyote to it yet. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Um so anyway, does come in, doe came in, left. Uh turkeys were hanging around out there for a while. Nothing was coming in. So I was just chilling, watching the animals for a while, and I wanted to wait until like just after dusk or right around dusk and hoping they were going to howl not have an idea where they're at and then come up with a plan after that so i waited till dark hit didn't have any vocals so then i played a howl got an immediate response way back in the woods on the other side of that field which been if you're by that blind you're looking to the left those woods back in there which is where they usually come from yep. um so i waited for a while just seeing if they were going to come after the howl so i turned on tony tebby's new den massacre and um coyote came running in from that wood line where i'd heard him howl and it was in the field within shooting range before that sound stopped i had the light on i'm using the 204 ruger with a night snipe ns um 750 ir on the with a atn 4k and I just, I had the light on already, aim straight ahead. My plan was it would come running into that light and I'd stop it and shoot it once it got into my full beam. Yep. Um, but it hung up before that. Um, so it hung up for a minute. And then, you know, if you watch a video, which I just posted today, it's on our YouTube channel and on uh, the YouTube uh, video is posted on our Facebook page. If you see me sitting there waiting, and a lot of people, you know, say, man, you're more patient than I am. Well, there's a method. Those. Huh? I saw those comments. There's a method to my madness. I, I planned on either that coyote was going to continue and come into the light, or I was going to wait for it to turn its head and then get the light on it. Because I was trying oh. to do my best to not spook it with that light. That's what I was just going to ask. Why are you doing it that way? Yep. Um, and so I watched the coyote and you see it turn its head to the right. And you see me start to shift, but then turn back. So I stopped. Well, then it looked to the left. That's when I put it in the light. It turned back and I made my shot on it. Um, shot was at like 90 yards and it just dumped it. It was beautiful. <laughs> what bullet are you using? 
That's a 40 grain VMAX. And how are those seeming to perform? I mean, not can't be much fur damage or anything. No, I well, that one it did leave a pretty good exit out the neck because I shot it like probably right in the neck, uh, just probably almost in line with its shoulders and the neck. And the exit wound was like right above the shoulder in the neck. Frontal shot. Yes. Yeah. Shot at 90 yards. Well, how far do you think that coyote came? I mean, if it was one of them that howled, how far do you think it came and how long do you think it took before you spotted it? At least 500 yards. And as soon as it broke that tree line, I spotted it. Well, I mean, like from the time you heard them howl to the time you saw it in the field, how long do you think that was? That's a good question. Um, I bet you I didn't wait five minutes from when I howled before I started. I probably maybe about five minutes from between the howl and then starting uh, Den Massacre. So five minutes. And then, like I said, that I think Tony said that sound plays for like four minutes. I think so. If I remember right, like four and a quarter minutes. Something like that. And like I said, that sound stopped when that coyote got it about 90 yards. Okay. So that it, sound it, that sound had been playing for, you know, maybe, you know, well, four minutes at that point. How long did it take to close that distance from all the way across that field? Probably less than a minute, two okay. minutes. Yeah, so it was. Well, I mean, it it was quick because it, it was coming full speed for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um. Now, because you kind of got into the terrain on this property, we actually have another user or listener question this week. Okay. Jacob again, same one that we answered a question from last week. He's wondering what we look for on certain properties as far as good property to call coyotes. What do you look for when you get permission or? You go and stop at a farm. I don't know if you even do that anymore. Just go talk to landowners. But what are you looking for when you're trying to determine a good spot to be? To set up? To to hunt in general. Well, to hunt in general, I mean, I'll pretty much hunt anything. I mean, yep. you know me, I'll hunt woods, I'll hunt fields, I'll hunt just about anything. If they people say they see or hear coyotes around there, I'll hunt it. Yep. I don't think there's any spot yet that I've said, no, I won't hunt. But that being said you play the terrain on what you have. So when I look at a piece of property, one of the things I'm going to look for is where are the coyotes feeling safe during the day? Where are they bedding? Where are they hanging out? Whatever. And then when they leave that cover for the evening or morning or whenever they are, where are they going to? Again, you're going to want to look at what winds can you effectively hunt which areas on that property from so like this particular property where i was at last night anything west anything north i feel really good about last night we had a southwest wind so i moved my location over to actually the northeast side of that field so the wind was kind of a cross wind to me but i know now that they almost always call come from from behind me yep now, on that property, haven't you – I know there was one that we've talked about that Jeremy shot off to the right. Yes, and that one came in – boy, that was during GLRPC, if I remember right. And if I had to guess, I would say we were probably hunting it with a north or a west wind 
because that's my preferred based on being up by his blind. And that coyote, we've actually killed a couple that have came from, it'd be uh, the right and the behind e. us. Because that drops down, there's a little uh, brush. So yeah. I know that they do occasionally hang out down there. And I have taken coyotes from that side of the field, but usually that's later at night. Okay. If you're out there in the evening, most of the coyote activity comes from the deep woods over on the left. Yep. And Jake, my kind of answer to your question is pretty much <laughs> like Kevin's. If somebody says I can hunt it and there's coyotes, I'm going to hunt it. I'm going to figure out a way to hunt it. Um, not every property that we hunt is where they live. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we call where we are intentionally calling them off of properties that we don't have permission to hunt, but we can get them to us. So if somebody were to call me today and say, I got this five acre chunk of woods and I got coyotes all over all the time on it. Okay. I'm going to go check out that five acres of woods, but I'm going to get on the map first, look at that five acres of woods and then blow it up so I can see everything within a mile around it. And if I think that there's an area in there that the coyotes are going to be holding up for any reason, whether that be bedding down in daytime, uh, Maybe there's a dead cow pile somewhere on a dairy farm, uh, dead pig piles. I know I hunt a couple farms that got pig piles. Um, if there's anything like that around, even if I can see like a, a dairy farm on the map and I don't have permission to hunt it, if I think my call will get to that, then that's going to be my intent of calling them from there. Um, if I see deer out in certain areas, I will be, 99% guarantee if there's deer living there, at some point there's a coyote coming through it. If it's thick enough for deer to bed down in it, good possibility that's going to be the same type of area the coyotes are going to bed down. And coyotes and deer, I have seen it in the winter, and maybe you have too, Kevin. When I was doing a lot more driving around in the wintertime, getting out on fresh tracks and walking in, I would find coyote beds in the snow right alongside all the rest of the deer. So it's not like they can't live next to each other. They, the coyotes are always harassing them and always killing them. They will bed in those same areas because of the same, for the same reasons. They can see, they can smell, they're covered. They can get out of Dodge if they need to. And probably partially because there is a lot of deer there, a lot of food possibilities. Um, I don't, the only reason I've ever turned down property to hunt is if I feel like it would be safer for a trap to be set there than a gun yep. to go off. Yep, that's a good point. Um, and there's been a lot of properties that I've given away like that. If it's just outside city limits, even if it's legal to hunt, shooting a rifle off with a bunch of houses in the background that you can see is just not that comfortable to me. So I would rather, I might just make that a rimfire spot or a shotgun in daytime spot but not go out there with the big gun. But a lot of times I will pass those properties on to somebody that can go set traps, check them every day. And then I don't have to worry about any kind of accident happening. Um, happening. Did I say happening or did I say happening? You said happening. <laughs> I'm very happy. Right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, like I said, there's not very many spots anymore. If somebody calls me and says there's coyotes, I am going to believe the fact that there is coyotes. If they're going to let me hunt it, I'm not going to turn it down until I go check it out. And if I go in there and I really can't find a spot to set up, 
which doesn't happen very often. I mean, if you get permission from a landowner, you can sit literally right against the back of their garage and call if that's where they're seeing coyotes is in their back little one acre. You can do that with their permission. Um, so, so some of the setups might require that too. But like I said, there's, I look for thick areas. I look for travel corridors, creek beds. If you got creek beds in the wintertime, especially dynamite highways, coyote highways up and down them when there's ice on them. Um, if they dry out in the summertime, coyote highways back and forth because there's nothing they got to swim in. They can run right up and down it. Um, like Kevin mentioned, irrigation paths where they're moving the irrigators back and forth. Coyotes will run right down that. Um, I, I guess I'll talk about last night's <laughs> foo-foo. Well, before you get into that, and you know, you brought up an important point, and there, I got two points on that. One is a safety factor. Yep. Um, that again, going to your point, I've said the same thing before. There's properties where people have asked me to hunt, and I'm like. I don't really see a good safe way for me to hunt this with a firearm. Yes. So either, you know, try and find someone that could trap it or I'd trap it myself, depending on how far away it is, or just, you know, like you said, some of them you can do with a rimfire shotgun, as long as you're not in a safety zone or whatever, but that is definitely a consideration that you want to look at. The second consideration, and this kind of applies to the question and it kind of doesn't, but this question was or this issue was brought to me by a listener um, is the first thing I do when I get to a property is ask, is anyone else hunting the property? And if they tell me yes, then I tell them, okay, then I'll decline as long as they're going to hunt the property. If you change your mind on and want someone else to try it, I will be happy to hunt it, but you need to let them know. I don't want to be competing with another hunter. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of reasons for that. One is just consideration for our fellow hunters, for one. Two, there's a lot of safety concerns with that. Um, you know, I, there's been more than one time where we've hunted a piece of property and we got shined by someone else that was using a red light. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want them to catch a reflection off my scope and think it's eyes and start taking shots at it, you know. Um, not only that, but you have, you know, some brush or some trees. You don't know if there's someone on the other side of that, that could be doing something. You hear howls and you and I are both knowledgeable enough. And we've listened to enough callers that for the most part, if we hear a sound out there, we've probably heard it before and oh, can yeah. identify it. Yep. So we know that that could be another hunter. But again, if you can't always see them, even with thermal, like they're on the other side of trees, you don't want a shot getting fired in that direction or towards you yep. so safety is a big consideration but a lot of it is too that i try and be considerate of other hunters if i knew someone else was hunting and i'm not gonna go in there and just set up and start hunting it um because again you know the safety hunting pressure it's not like hunting deer and other animals where the more hunters you have the more effective you're going to be unless those hunters are working together so they don't overpressure it and they're killing every coyote they see because if you know steve calls it on tuesday and i call it on wednesday and joe calls it on thursday you're gonna have unless they kill every coyote out there you're gonna have some really smart coyotes really fast which just makes it that much harder to be effective in doing it yep um so when i look at a piece of property going back to the original question that's another thing that you know i'll bring up not it doesn't have to do with the terrain or what i'm looking for in the property but before i'll hunt a piece of property that's one thing i do 
try and figure out. Um, and also too, I mean, if there's, if I look at a piece of property, like they tell me where it's at and I pull it up on Onyx or HuntWise and I look at it and I recognize a landowner's name and I know someone else is already hunting it. I may call that person and say, Hey, you know, uh, the, you still hunting that property over here because the neighbor wanted me to hunt it. If it's closer to that person, I'd rather let them hunt it. You know, um, if it's in my neck of the woods, I try and be considerate of other hunters. Yep. Nope. I understand that. Now here's, here's a situation and I'll talk about it because, uh, I know it's irritated a couple people, but what happens on the respecting other hunters aspect? And we've talked about this, this one scenario before mm-hmm. a guy calls you, says, I need somebody to come shoot coyotes. You go over there. He says, somebody else is hunting it. You say, never mind. I'll, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to step on this guy's toes. Mm-hmm. A year goes by, same guy calls you again. I need you to come shoot these coyotes because the other guy's not doing it. What do you say then? I tell the landowner usually that I'll be happy to come over and hunt it if that person is not hunting it anymore. Yep. And if you allow me to continue to hunt it for at least a little while. I mean, if, if a landowner is unhappy with what I'm doing for him, I have no problem with them saying, Hey, you know, it's, it's just not working out. I'd rather let someone else try it. I'm fine with that. Just communicate with me about it. Landowner's choice. Yeah, it is. I mean, absolutely. Because it's their property and they have to make that decision. Um, but you know, I, I'm, you know, my nature, I try and tend to be a helpful person. So if someone really wants my help, then I'm happy to help. But I have criteria on that. And part of the criteria is I don't want to step on someone else's toes and be on the same property as somebody else because I don't feel it's effective and I don't feel it's safe and I don't feel it's respectful to both parties. Yep. And and for my situation that happened that way, uh, after two years of it, I said, that's fine. I'll come over and hunt it, but it's your responsibility to tell the other guy. Right. Because it, it's, I don't want to be that problem. So right. if you're listening to this and you think that I've done anything like that to you intentionally, there's a good chance it was because your landowner kept on requesting it. I mean, and there's no other way around that. That that's I have messages, I have phone calls, I have voicemails, I have everything. Right. So, and, and I'm only going over that because of a comment that was made, I don't even know, a week or so ago on our page about how I hunt with some people and then just go back and take their spots. I don't even hunt with anybody that has their own property. So that doesn't really happen. Kevin, I've hunted with you on a lot of your own property. And I never once you some years there and knocked on a door. Yeah, yeah. It's just not how it works. But right. if a landowner calls me two years in a row and says the same thing, then eventually I'm going to say, okay, but it's your job to tell the other guy because I'm not going to be the middleman that everybody hates. Right. So Yeah. <laughs> there's that <laughs> and so, yeah and that's you know i've seen and heard that happen as well at a couple of my properties where you know i had the landowner tell me he says well you know i'm a little bit far away from you you don't get out here that often i'm gonna give a local guy a shot at it yep. I'm like fine perfect i hope he does well if he doesn't you still want me to come out let me know right and in that aspect it makes more sense it does and that's, that's one thing that, you know, I think we've talked about a lot over the years is geographically speaking and distance, how effective are you going to be if someone really wants help? 
Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're not going to be able to hunt that piece, but once a year, twice a year, and there's another guy that can hunt it, you know, every month, every two months, whatever, he can hunt it closer. It's a lot more local for him. It makes more sense for that hunter to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with that because one, it saves me gas money and lets me focus on spots that I have that are closer. Um, but at the same time, you know, he has his spots available. Um, then he's close and he can hunt it. I mean, I've told people in the past, I should shoot some of these areas around here. I bet I knew some of these coyotes by name because I've been around them so long hunting (laughs) the same properties. They know you, but, (laughs) and and you learn the property, you know, it's kind of like going back to what we started talking about with the property is first time you get a property. I like to go out and look at it in the daylight. If I can, I try and get a lay of the land, identify where I'm going to want to set up, identify what kind of wind I'm going to want, et cetera, et cetera. But that being said, every time you hunt it and you see animal movement, you're going to be learning that property better, Every, which means every time you should, in theory, be able to set up and be more effective over time. Yep. Um, And obviously, if you can only hunt a spot once a year, whatever, it doesn't mean you can't be effective that one time you go out. But if it's a landowner that's having like livestock loss or uh, pets being attacked or they're coming around, you know, kids or family members being really bold, then I feel someone that is closer there and can be there more often is going to be more effective for the landowner. Absolutely. And we do have a spot. I mean, we kind of share the one spot that's about an hour from both of us, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And we've told him the same thing. Hey, you know, if you need anybody that can do it more often, feel free to do it. And luckily we've got a good relationship with those up there. And they're, they all say, no, no, we're not doing that. You just come out when you can, they'll be here for you, you know? So we've had it go all different ways, (laughs) but back to terrain and, uh, you know, tractor paths, stuff like that. I'll talk about my little foo-foo last night because I haven't talked about it yet. Um, I posted pictures on the Facebook page. A landowner had sent me, they're using this corner of a wheat field a tall wheat field the coyotes are in and out of there quite often so these coyotes this landowner sending me pictures of these coyotes and they are traveling the edge of a tall wheat field and last night i was sitting at home done some uh smoking some jerky on my smoker that i'm almost done building now and uh about 7 30 i was like i'm gonna see what the wind is like so i pulled up hunt wise and pulled up the wind cast and uh i could see that i had like a southwest mostly wind um on that particular property and i showed you on the map what that property looks like i'm not going to go too into detail with it but there's a lot of deep ravines but there's a couple good travel corridors that also is it's difficult to choose which one to set up on in certain spots um well screw it this one's got railroad tracks running right by it and the coyotes run up and down on those railroad tracks in the winter time in the summertime all year a railroad track is a highway for a coyote um well where i wanted to set up was i ended up getting out there and going around this little pond that the guys got in the field and it's all tall weed around that pond but the wind was in my favor i was going to be setting up probably 50 yards from the train tracks, the railroad tracks there in the private land field with a wood line directly in front of me. And I showed you on the video, I had a corridor running right up to me. They they had no reason. 
Okay, they did have a reason. <laughs> they should have come right up that edge of that woods, like they have been right in front of his camera, and given me a 10-yard shot right in front of me. So I put the call out to my west, which that was probably my mistake. I mean, we talked about that a little bit. It was a southwest wind. No, so I put it out to my east. I'm sorry. I put it out to my east, and the southwest wind was blowing right to left and kind of in my face a little bit. So I screwed up because I put the call further downwind than I even was. You know, I, I should have put that call upwind, like you said, or directly in front of me on that little corridor because the wind was blowing from the call out into the field further to my left. And I was set up with a 12 gauge, a virgin 12 gauge, by the way, haven't killed anything with it. <laughs> um, I think I got there at eight fifteen or something, got myself all set up. How tall is that wheat right now, Josh? <sighs> tall enough, <laughs> <laughs> tall enough to save a coyote's life. I can promise so you probably that. about a foot. No, two and a half, two and a half. Okay. It was up to my waist. Okay. Probably. Um, so, so I'm sitting there calling, figuring, okay, I got the camera. I got a GoPro on me and I got the shotgun right down the edge of this field. Like anytime one's going to bust out and come right there at the edge of this, this field, there are ravines and very thick pockets of woods but they're small. I mean, you saw it on the map. They're not huge sections, but they are steep hills, ravines down into this creek bed bottom. Coyotes could be anywhere, literally out there. They could have been laying in the wheat field. We've seen them come from tall wheat fields before. They're just laying out there because it's all cover. I've missed them in tall wheat fields before with you, with 17, mm -hmm. yep. two in one day. Same then, day I hit my head on a hot electric fence. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I'm calling. Zot. And, uh, what? Zot. <laughs> Dude, that would hurt. That was a strong cattle fence. <laughs> and I hit right off my head, too. <laughs> anyway, I'm calling. I did some fawn distress. Nothing happened. I did uh, Tony Tevy's pups howling because I've had a lot of good luck to that recently. Pups howling. Um, nothing answered. I think I did a few female howls. Nothing answered. Now it's getting to be... 8 45 9 o'clock maybe and i'm like okay time for pup distress so i'm playing pup distress and i i didn't message you yet because i was still in a good mood um <laughs> i'm calling and all of a sudden 50 maybe 60 yards to my left all i see is ears just bouncing through that wheat not running not not jogging not doing nothing like that just going down a tractor path that went through that tall wheat. I didn't know that thing was there, but it made a 100% perfect access route for them to come in completely hidden, but they had nothing in their way. It was a tractor path. <laughs> the coyote gets by me almost directly downwind, and it had to be 60 yards at least. I showed you the video. I'm not going to post this video because this is some bull crap. <laughs> I don't know how many pellets are coming out of a shotgun with a dead coyote three-inch load. <laughs> Quite a few, though. Were you using buckshot or BB load? No, I was using the dead coyote T-shot. Oh, T-shot. Oh, okay. The expensive but, stuff. Yeah, that was... Baller. 
Yeah, that was a seven dollar miss with a shotgun. Um, I don't know what I did besides the fact that I told you I do not like the sight on the front of that shotgun. It's got a rail for a scope on it, and it's got an extra long front, like it would be where the bead would be on a regular 12 gauge, but it's a elevated a riser. Yes. And I put it on it and you saw in the video, the pellets were headed straight for it, but I'm pretty sure it shot underneath it. Um, I only had, I did not have very long at all before that thing were to get my wind. Plus I showed you on the video where I had walked. It was only probably 10 to 15 yards from getting to where I had walked in. Hmm. And if it would have gotten there, that thing would have been gone. Right. We've seen that plenty of times. Um, but that coyote ended up, yeah, I, I, I missed it with a 12 gauge, dude. <laughs> with a 12 gauge. But I screwed myself by probably setting that call up too far already to my downwind, thinking I was going to play them and thinking I was going to make them come right down that corridor probably where you said would have been a better location for the call, which would have been upwind of me because then for them to circle downwind, guess where they would have been right, right. in my pocket. Yep. And we've said it before, but see people, I still screw up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. Would have broken the virginity on that gun. Did not do it. Uh, sat there, sent you a message, told you that I sucked. And uh, then you went out and dumped that other one, but that just, that just uh that just tells you that those little tiny paths that's made by one tire on a tractor or whatever just enough to knock down the wheat is a travel corridor for a car sure. well just think about it when you're out in mud soft sand or snow and you look at a coyote's tracks how are their feet aligned in the tracks they're right in the line yep right yep. they're they're right in the line so it doesn't take much for them to have a path that they can travel because a coyote's body is what, maybe eight inches wide mm -hmm. and their feet are in line when they're walking. I mean, it doesn't take much for them to have a path that they feel comfortable on. One thing I've learned about coyotes is they don't really ever do anything just random. They always have a purpose behind what they're doing, whether we see it or not. Right. That one was purposely trying to get to the downwind. That one was circling out somewhere where it was completely hidden for the most part, besides the tips of its ears. Mm -hmm. When I shot at it, just to clarify, I could see it 100%. Kevin saw that video. I wasn't just shooting at ears and a head. Right. Uh, it was 1000% a coyote. It was just about to get my wind and I missed it with a 12 gauge, but that thing did exactly what it should have done. I screwed myself and set up wrong. Now I know that for next time. Yeah. So I'm going to go, damn it. I'm going to go kill one, <laughs> but I'm considering a red dot for that shotgun. I would, I, to be honest with you, I want to put one on mine. I, for the record, have never missed a coyote with my shotgun. I yeah. have missed turkeys with my shotgun. Yeah. You're shooting at a bird. Ten yards. <laughs> How you, miss that? you suck. <laughs> I missed it three times as a matter of fact. So that kind of makes up for never missing a coyote with my shotgun, but <laughs> That being said, I want to do the same thing with my shotgun, put a red dot on it. Um, West Michigan for West Michigan Wildlife Association, all the shotguns they set up for the kids for their youth season, they put red dots on. Uh, we set one up for Jeremy Kennedy's boy for this year for the season, put a red dot on that one. I'm going to try and go with a little bit smaller red dot than what 
has been on some of those guns, but I do think I want to put a red dot on mine as well. It's just, it draws your eye better. Um, it focuses better because it's a you know small thing you're looking through, similar in concept to a scope, yet it's just so easy and fast to get on target with it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Now, if anybody has any recommendations for a good shotgun, reliable scope, that would be sweet. Um, I'm not thinking tube style red dot. I'm thinking what are, what are the ones that it like projects it on the glass? What's that holographic? Well, yeah, you have holographic, or you have um, what do they call those? Um, I had one on that escort shotgun. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the name. They, I mean, they just call them a red dot, but there's a name for them too. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but reflex. I know what you're talking about. Reflex sight. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking because they're yeah, the one... Sun makes one that's uh, it's like a shake awake. I think yeah. Greg called that a shake weight. Um, and you but, had the you had a um, sight mark on your I had a sight mark, gun. Yep. A cheapie on there, yeah. But the I was looking at the Hollow Sun website earlier, and they have one that's up for a shotgun. It's like three hundred bucks, so it's not really a cheap red dot or reflex sight, but it's a shake weight kind, and it's got the solar panel right on yeah. top of it, so it'll keep charge even you know as long as it's in daylight or whatever um i was kind of looking at that but i don't necessarily like that price those shotguns my shotguns all get beat to hell i mean i i use them like shotguns there's a lot of them out there that you can find in all different budgets so it shouldn't be hard for you to find one that you like yeah but if anybody has any recommendations if you use a shotgun for coyotes or really anything and got a reflex uh holographic or red dot and you got recommendations send it in to us because it's seriously a consideration right now i just did not like that yesterday like you know, I had to, how do you judge that distance? Number one, not knowing exactly how far it was with it being in that wheat field, I estimated it to be between 50 and 60 yards and I held high. I don't, I don't know how to do that with a shotgun. So here's another thing going back to looking at a property before you hunt it is I am horrible at estimating distances. Yes. So what I'll do when I go out to a piece of property, whether it's a new piece of property or let's say it's a piece of property where I'm just going to set up different, um, Onyx and HuntWise, you can both get on there and measure distances mm-hmm. using those apps. So a lot of times I'll get up there before I even start calling or anything and I'll use that app and measure distance to different landmarks say okay that tree line is 200 this tree out here if i can see it on the satellite image that's only 75 um that's a good tool to use if you're as bad at judging distances as i am and just to get a good idea of what you know different landmarks might be so you do have a reference yep well now put a deer out in front of me and i can kind of judge that but that's a much bigger target too but could you do that deer if it was standing in corn that was up to its neck well i guess that's that's the thing that messes with you is when you get into that terrain and you can't see the whole animal because sometimes hard to tell if you're looking at a juvenile or you're looking at an adult yeah no this one was definitely an adult i sent you the picture that i think the one it was because it was bright red looking i mean no real mistake in it so i know those coyotes will be there though for next time i didn't kill one um when I took my cousin out, we killed five of them. He actually killed the fifth one of the night directly across the road from that. And I had never ventured over to that side because there's a house back in there that I really got to watch for. I just didn't want to take the rifle in there yet. But now that I've been there and seen it, 
I know that I can set up there safely and take safe shots. So that'll be very helpful for the future. Right. Um, but yeah, this weekend we'll, we'll get away from my miss now because man, I've been on a bad streak, dude. Like, like a worst streak I've been in in a while. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, that's one thing I've noticed. I mean, you did so well for so long and now kind of been on the opposite end of the spectrum for a little bit. Well, I mean, for a long time, I did every weekend. We were out all night long, come home, go to bed for a couple hours in daylight, wake up, go do it again the whole next night. And oftentimes on work nights, I would just not get very much sleep. I don't do that anymore. I, I, I'm trying to be a little more present at my house. I mean, some people out there can understand that. I've spent a lot of time hunting that I should have spent doing other stuff, like watching my kids grow up. I'm not that focused on being out there to kill coyotes every single night. It just doesn't matter that much to me right now. So now that I, I'm not saying I'm slowed down on it, but I've just not, I mean, it's not one of them things that's always on my mind. I got a lot of other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So to go from hunting three, four, five nights a week and shooting all the time and killing coyotes, I mean, I got to a point where I was very, very confident and I didn't miss very many, but now, right. I've taken kind of a break, slowed down a little bit. And now it's like, man, they come running and I can't get my legs under control. I can't get my heart under control, which I love it. I mean, that is a good feeling to get back to that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this weekend, so Friday night, Greg and I went out to try to help a landowner take out some raccoons, which we know there is a million of them out there this year. Guess how many we saw? None. None. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones we saw were right alongside the roads and we're like not shooting a rifle right there, not towards a road, not alongside a road, nothing. Um, did we you, had one field. Now, did you, the ones you've seen alongside the road, was that while you're actually calling for them? No, we were just driving around okay. scanning his farms. My okay. goal wasn't to call one in. My goal was to go find where they were and just Talk go up on them and shoot them and start getting them. Um, this landowner hates how much corn they wreck. And they're always up behind his barn and his garage and stuff, and he can't stand it. Um, so he went out a couple weeks ago trying to get some with a light, and he's like, he said his his light couldn't go up into the leaves. I said, I got something for that. Yeah, we don't need lights at all. <laughs> it did not work, dude. I'd howl because you know oh, what happens when you howl, yeah. right? Up the tree. Up the tree. You wouldn't see a spot move anywhere when I howled. Wow. Um. So we ended up hunting with him until about one o'clock, I think, Saturday morning. (laughs) And then Greg and I were going back towards home and I opened up a Red Bull and I drank a 12 ounce Red Bull in like five miles. And then he's like, well, you just drank an energy drink and I just drank a monster. So why are we going home to go to bed? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) So we went to hit a new spot that actually i didn't know it was a relative of greg's but i had called this property owner last year trying to get permission and i couldn't get a reply back well i drove by it with greg a couple weeks ago and he's like yeah that's my grandpa's like dude i called that guy (laughs) like i wanted to hunt it so we headed over there because greg got the permission for us to go over there um of course i get out of the truck there and what's in the field a family of raccoons Hmm, okay so (laughs) we we get to calling, and you were out this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. It was just getting, Friday night. 
it was getting chilly the later yeah. the night went on hoodie weather almost gloves and a hat type weather yeah actually i was wearing a beanie for a little bit um now you get i got we had a coyote in the field about 10 minutes into calling i now have the red bull shakes the adrenaline shakes and the cold shake <laughs> all at one time dude and i'm standing there like I'm telling Greg to shoot. So Greg just picked up a 6.5 Creedmoor and an ATN 4K Pro with uh, NS550 IR. And we got that all sighted in on Friday. And I'm like, dude, kill it. And he's like, no, left side's your side, which that absolutely makes sense. But I was trying to give him the gun, the shot. It was his mm. spot, his new gun. Right. Wanted to get him one killed. He says, no, you go ahead and shoot it. I don't know if you've ever tried to shoot with every single part of your body shaking. <laughs> Dude, I can't drink Red Bull like that ever again because I should have died. I mean, I was like, my leg was like thumping on the ground. <laughs> that adds to my already piss poor shooting recently. And I sent two of them right over top of that thing's back at 200 yards. Don't know how. Well, I do know how. There's a lot of factors that played into that. Two of them right over top of it. Okay, there goes that night. So we ended that set with me missing. And Saturday, I was sitting at home, and I said to my wife that I was going to go try to redeem myself, but I was going to go alone. And we had kind of talked about that a little bit. You asked me what changed between the two nights, really. One night, I'm sitting there with a landowner and another guy, and I'm not really focused on me. I'm focused on everybody else. When I'm out there by myself, the only person that I need to worry about, the only thing happening that I need to worry about is what I'm doing, where I'm pointing a gun, where I'm pulling the trigger. Only thing I needed to worry about is me. So Saturday night, I went out to redeem myself alone. So I got a question for you. On that same vein, aside from like maybe me or someone that you've hunted with a lot, do you feel there's a difference in how you either approach, set up, call, or anything when you're with somebody else? I just feel like the shooting is under pressure. Okay. I mean, I just feel like that's when I really want to hit one is when somebody else is there to watch it happen. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, you've seen me miss plenty of times. I don't like missing at all, but now right. I'm to the point where I miss, I laugh. It is what it is. I've, I'll go call that coyote in another day. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's more pressure on me when anybody's with me, even with you. When I go up to your properties and we hunt, I don't want to miss a coyote. I don't want you to miss them either because I'll kick you in the nuts. I, I know you will. You don't want me to miss unsuppressed up against a bunch of dead coyotes either. But I don't want to. You know, that's right. just, that's, I, I don't want to be the educator. I'd rather be, you know, the one that dumped it. Right. So I went out Saturday by myself because the only person that I needed to, I guess, impress was myself. And I told myself the first set was just before it got too dark to see. Um, I'm actually working on editing that video right now as we speak. Um, I get out there and I've got a long ways to scan around me. Well, this landowner, I think it was his parents or somebody next door to his parents. They're all on the same road. It's all family. Somebody had gotten chickens two weeks ago, I think. And he said, all of a sudden the coyotes were in there like crazy. And the way this property sets up is there's a big patch of woods to the east, all cover. 
there's a small patch of woods between that and me and it's a wide open field all the way around it but i'm on a fence line basically or a tree line the back edge of this landowner's woods calling over the field and i knew that if they were coming into those chickens odds were good that they were coming across that field right to the back of his woods and just following the back of that woods right to the houses where the chickens were so i go out there i get set up i did one howl you are badass with them sunglasses on son <laughs> i do one howl and immediately out the corner of these woods, here comes a coyote. Just pops right out of the woods. And it was six, maybe 700 yards away at that point. But I could tell by how it came out of them woods and how it was just standing there looking around that it was a coyote. Um, at this point, you're using your scanner or is it still light enough to see with the naked eye? Scanner. Okay. Scanner. I mean, I could see with my naked eye, but just not that far. Gotcha. Um, so I'm, I'm just letting it kind of do its thing and i think about three or four minutes went by it's still out there quite a long ways but it has cut the distance by probably 100 yards maybe i howl again i'm watching through the scanner its head goes up and it starts trotting again towards me okay i'm just gonna let it keep coming at this point about 300 yards out it stops again and it's kind of locked up i said okay one more time boom hit a howl thing starts trotting right at me again i mean it was just wanting that little bit of noise i think to keep it interested in coming what kind of howls were you using i was using lucky duck uh sook howls the was female that, howls. is that considered like a long howl on his playlist or is i think it it's a... like an interrogation okay. howl, just like right. a normal friendly howl just where are you i'm over here type gotcha. deal okay um but that coyote was like wanting that little bit of noise and every time it would hear it it would come closer but then it would stop well, that third time, I, like I said, it was probably within 300 yards, and that was the last sound I needed to make. I hit that howl, it starts trotting, and I just started watching it through the scope. Um, that coyote did exactly, like, to the T what I figured they were doing. Crossed that field, got up to the back edge of that wood line, and was going to keep on running the back of that wood line right directly towards these chickens. But right now, I'm in between it and those chickens. Mm -hmm um waited for it to get to 75 yards because i felt like hey no if i if i can hit that one i feel pretty good <laughs> and uh it was coming right at me 75 yards like i said i just went and it slowed up and stopped and as soon as it stopped i had it right at the point of that shoulder and i squeezed and kevin i've showed you this video that thing hit the ground like a rock i mean instantly looked dead laid there kicked around for a second and then got up and took off running and i've showed you the picture and i'm not going to post the picture just as it is to the facebook page because it's pretty graphic but that was the first one with the 75 grain hornady v max from first to fight uh last year when i had needed some rounds he didn't have any nozzler available and didn't know when he'd be able to get them so i had him load me up to 75 grain winchesters now it was purely accidental that I used those rounds that night. We had talked about that. Um, I grabbed the wrong box out of the out of the case. They're all 243, but I got 75 and 70s in there. Once I saw it, I mean, should I have been really concerned about the about the performance of it between 70 and 75 grain? Should I have been? No. Not okay. at the ranges you're doing. And that's kind of what I figured. It wasn't really going to affect me inside 200 yards, I would hope. Right. um and yeah that one 
that bullet did some damage. I mean, that coyote dang near didn't have a whole front shoulder or leg anymore when I got to it. He done it went kablooey. <laughs> bad. And they're like zombies sometimes, dude. Like, how could I couldn't take that shot and get up and try to get away from it? There's no way. And how far did he go? 50 yards and it was okay. dead the whole time. I think it just flopped over and legs straight up again and was done. But I was pretty impressed with that. That bullet performance was good. I just could not believe that that dang thing took that thing. So either way, now the monkey's off my back. I hit one. Finally, after two weeks of not, I hit one. And uh, I said, okay, well, it's pretty active right now. You know, first, first thing after dark, got one down. I went up, drugged that one to the landowner, talked to him for a little bit. And he said, I got another spot that you should check out. You want to go check it out real quick? I said, yeah, let's go. So we go driving and we pull up to this other field and we are kind of looking at it on the maps. And it's kind of like the opposite side of a spot I had called the night before when I was out there for raccoons. I was trying to bring a coyote in for the landowner at the same time. I didn't really think anything was going to happen, but we get out there, we get set up. I let him on the gun because he's never, he's hunted with me three times now, just one stand at a time. He'll come out with me when he's available. Um, and we haven't seen one yet. So I ripped this howl and right away, way out, probably, I think he said if they were where we think they were, they were about a mile and a quarter, mile and a half away, just quiet. You could barely tell. And I'm like, well, I have a feeling that nothing's going to come from that group because that's a long ways away. You know, we're probably 20 minutes in. I had turned on fawn distress just to show them what that was like this time of year. A lot of people get a kick out of that, man. You will have some does come charging real fast and they will break your stuff if they want to. <laughs> yep. um, so I showed them that and it was like five minutes late went by and I said, man, one of these times, you know, I just went behind the same guy's house and killed one. I should have had him on that set. I said, one of these times I'll take you out. We'll actually call one in. And I looked down the field and there's a coyote standing there at probably 400 yards. And I said, oh, there's one right there. But there was a deer between us and it. So I said, don't do anything yet because I need to know that that is a coyote and not a fawn standing at the edge of that before anything happens. I had given it probably three different sounds and it just stayed there, just didn't move. And finally, I think I got on a light pup distress of some sort. I don't remember which one exactly. And all of a sudden it's up and coming down that tree line. I said, okay, that's a coyote. I can tell by how it's moving. I can tell by its face. I can tell by everything. And it closes the distance to probably 200 yards. And I'm like, okay, just, you know, it's coming good. We'll just let it keep coming. Well, then it got to buy that deer and the deer kind of like did a standoff with it. It looked like, like the deer kind of started walking towards the coyote and the coyote started going the other way back towards where it came from. And I woof stopped it and just said, go ahead and just try one. You know, it was probably 250 at that point. I said, just hold it just, just on top of its shoulder, like on body still, but on shoulder. And he squeezed and did not connect, which that's whatever. He got excited, and that was cool to see because it's his properties that I'm hunting. He allows me to do this on. I like showing them kind of what we do because it just gives them that much more confidence that you're out there doing the right thing, you know, not shooting just because you see something standing there. Don't do not do that. Um, went and dropped him off. That was set two, seen two coyotes now. Set three, I went over to a spot. Actually, Greg had missed a coyote here two or three weeks ago. 
Usually I come into this property from the east because all the cover is to the west of this field and to the north of this field. You've been here. Tony Bonansegna, if you're going to ever listen to this, it's where he shotgunned one um, in daylight a couple years ago for a landowner that had called us with some problems with him coming into her horse pasture. I remember when you guys did that. Yep, and you've been to this farm a couple different times. Um, but usually I come in from the east. The wind was out of the east this time, so I can access from the west and come in from a whole different field. Well, I knew where they usually come from. The same set of woods is on the north and my and now would be on my south. So now I have cover on both sides of me with a wind blowing right down the middle of both sides of the cover. And I get set up and I'm looking down a two track through this wheat field. And I had to get a little bit elevated so I could see down into the wheat a little bit because it was tall enough too that if a coyote was coming through it, it would have been one of those where you're just barely seeing it. Well, I'm like 15 minutes in and I get to pup distress and I was listening to somebody just banging some music the whole time. And I'm like, this, this probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> well, I get on pup distress and I look to where we usually would come in at and there's a coyote standing out there and I'm like, I should have been over there probably, you know, <laughs> but the wind would have screwed me. It would have been done. And pup distress still playing that coyote all of a sudden just starts heading right towards my downwind and it is a long ways headed downwind well at this point i couldn't see over the hill where it was headed towards so i turned off my second angle camera and walked up to the top of the hill so that i could see down in there and sure enough that coyote's still coming right up the two track on the downwind side probably from the call 400 yards i mean a long way is downwind but they have good reason to go downwind out there i've shot a lot of them out there um and missed a lot we've missed a lot of coyotes there um, but at this point, you know, I'm standing on top of the hill and it's, I think it was 300 when I first got up to the top of the hill and I just kept on ranging it as it's coming down that two track. And I think the shot was taken at 200 yards. It had just crossed into the, it was like an uncut alfalfa field and it had just stopped at the edge of it. And this is on the video that'll be on our YouTube channel also. It stops there. I zoomed in, which is also something I'm going to start doing more. Because taking a shot at base zoom when they're 300 yards out is stupid. I am not that good of a shot. So zooming in is helpful. I zoomed in on this coyote. It stops. I put it right at the point of the shoulder. I squeezed, and that thing did not even twitch. It was a hollow thud followed by legs straight up in the air and then slowly going down. Dead coyote right nice. there. Um, that one was a male again with the 75 grain Hornady out of the 243. So that right there should tell you that it's shooting about the same as your other, your 70 grain load. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to concern myself with what box of ammo I grab because right. both they're both going to do the job. I will go take it to the range just to verify of how much difference there is. I'll shoot some seventies and then some 75s, but I can't, I can't imagine there's going to be that much difference especially off the 200 yards that's not gonna make that difference um that one was a male hit that one right at the front of the shoulder and there was no fur damage no hole all you could see was just a little bit of drip coming out the front chest where the bullet went in nice so all that bullet damage has got to be internal and that yep. that thing took all the shock of it and died instantly jello bag yes um so off to a really good start now. I've got three sets in, three coyotes called in, two killed that I shot at, which was ha I was happy. 
Um, then I went over to another field. Greg missed in this one. This is where Greg missed about an 80-yard shot. Then I hit pup distress, and the one came back in along the same side of the woods, and he missed it again. Same spot. Well, that was to- only about a week ago, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe last Friday mm-hmm. or the week before. Yeah. Not not very long ago. Yep. Um, but I figured if the coyotes were still in there, which I didn't know the landowner had cut the wheat field. So now I have a cut wheat field that when Greg and I were in there a week or so ago, it was all tall. You couldn't see through it. Mm-hmm. And it saved me on this one because if because it worked out with it being cut. Um, I was once again expecting the coyotes to come from my east, which would have been from basically dead upwind. There's a thick patch of cover to the north and a little, I think it's like a 10 acre patch, maybe 15 acre patch of thick in the middle of this field. And a bunch of coyotes come out of that stuff all the time. So I'm standing there calling on this one, watching some deer behind me to the downwind. And I turn around and I see one that was bedded down standing straight up. And at this point I was playing uh, Tony Tebby's nasty freak his hand call rabbit call i don't know if you've got that one but i like that sound a lot rabbit distress i see this deer get up and she's been bedded this whole time when deer do that all of a sudden watch i I promise you if you can see them and they all of a sudden are up on their feet watch why because a lot of times there's a coyote that they know is there and i look over and probably and mind you this is one o'clock in the morning so it's pitch black out I bet 150 yards away from that deer, there's two coyotes and that deer is standing there staring that way. So them deer got to be able to know they can either see it, smell yeah, it, I don't know, something. or hear yeah. them. Yep. But either way, that deer alerted me that there was something coming. And both of these coyotes are coming to the downwind side. Well, one of them split off. I'm going to guess the female. She split off and went straight north. I don't even know where she ended up disappearing to because I can see a long ways and there's not very many spots that they could just hide Um, until they get into one of those patches of woods. Usually I can see them all the way to that point, but I don't know if she got down on a low side of something that wasn't cut yet. I don't know if she was down and down on a tree line that I couldn't see through. I don't know, but she disappeared and I'm scanning, 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 trying to find where they're going And all of a sudden I turn and look and between me and the deer, almost directly downwind, here's one coming that it was, it had to be the second of the pair. He's coming right at me at, I think it was a hundred yards by when I spotted him. And I mean, coming fast. And this one, I kind of rushed the shot because he was dang near to my downwind. He was running. I had to stop him. And when he stopped me, when I stopped him, I was worried he was going to get my wind. That's how, that's how far downwind he was. So as soon as he stopped, I squeezed the trigger and I pulled that one just a little bit back and a little bit high. But once again, heard that hollow thud of that 75 grainer hitting, watched it run off. And if you watch the video, dude, this thing is spraying out everywhere. And it went, yeah, again, 50 yards piled up and was dead right there. And that one was another male. So after that, I actually went and called it a night. I wasn't going to end it on a bad note. So I just went (laughs) home. Um, but yeah, three down Saturday night, and that made me that that's a lot better for confidence than missing the last bunch of them in a row. Right. Yeah, it's you know it's amazing sometimes when you get when you're on a streak and you're not seeing anything, not calling anything in, whatever you get kind of down, 
or if you're on a missing streak and you can't hit squat, you get down and then all of a sudden, boom, you start calling them in or you start making your shots, how much of a difference that can make in your confidence, your attitude, everything. Yeah. Because honestly, when I'm on a missing streak, I go out to a coyote set and I'm like, man, I hope I don't miss. Right. You know, and then I go dump one at 210 yards, just absolutely hammered. And I'm like, okay, come on in and try. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you go in with a different mindset, it's always going to change anything. If you go to work every day thinking it's going to suck, guess what? Your job's going to suck. You know what I mean? My job sucks. It might be. I mean, if you go home and you and you feel like you don't want to see your wife and kids, you're not going to be a happy person when you're there. You know, you got it. It's the mindset part. So when you get that confidence back and that first one, dude, every, every one of them should be like that. Pull the trigger coyotes dead. That's how I want it. Every time as the hunters that, you know, we don't want to see anything wounded. We don't want to have them get away. I hate the rim fire law specifically for the fact that, we hit a lot of coyotes that we don't find. I know you said you don't, but I, <laughs> I have, it's happened. <laughs> you know what I mean though? That's not yeah. our goal. No, I don't want to go out there just to maim something. That's not why these farmers are calling me because if they want to just to have stuff wounded and running around, they could probably do it themselves just fine. Right. You know what I mean? That That's not the goal when I go out there. So going in, and like I said, that's why I went alone that night. The only person to worry about was me. The only person to worry about where their barrel pointed was me. The only person to worry about where they're putting the shot, if anything's behind it, is me. And the only person I need to worry about taking a shot is me. So that, you know, even when it's like me and you go out hunting, we pretty much have a good idea of who's going to take a shot at what point. We communicate back and forth. But there's still that little bit in you that's like, okay, I should probably still be on it just in case. Yep. This is I got to make a follow up or I got to stay on it. Or or in one case with you, I know you missed one. And then you're like, dude, get on a call. <laughs> that's another thing to think of. Do I get on a gun or do I get on the call to try to stop the thing for another shot? You know, so going out there by myself and, and anybody listening to this that's hunting with me, I love hunting with people. But every once in a while, I got to go be by myself so I can focus on myself. Right. Not worry about anything else. Yeah. For me, going back to, you know, if there's any differences hunting with someone else versus myself, the set I did last night, I would probably not do if I had taken someone with me. Why? You wouldn't have trusted me to kill it? No. It's because, (laughs) uh, to be honest with you, I don't think many people have the patience I do to just sit out there and chill for a while and keep the calls real minimal until it gets dark. I mean, like I said, I was out there at like eight o'clock set up and it gets dark around 10. So for almost two hours, I was just sitting out there doing very little calling, just watching the animals and then really didn't start calling until dusk. Yeah, no, um, I, don't have you know, that patience. I was sitting there. I was sitting on the ground with my tripod collapsed, you know, running the night snipe elite hunter so I can set it down. I can use it sitting fine. I was like that until it got dark enough that I scanned around with the thermal, didn't see any other animals. I felt comfortable enough. I got back up, extended the tripod legs up, did the rest of the hunt standing. I wouldn't do that with somebody else. I mean, I would sit out there as long as you're going to like hold my hand and whisper stories and stuff to me. <laughs> That's the only way. I, I've said that before. I, I can't hunt your way right. unless I'm with you doing it because you forced me to. 
Right. And, and we've done that before. Heck, I remember when me and my brother Joe came to hunt with you the first time. It's like one howl and then like crickets for like 20 minutes. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? How's anything going to know to come in here when we're not making any noise? But I also remember that same hunt. We got out and it was snow that year and we had a lot of snow and we were putting on snowshoes. And I think I had mine on first and I was ready to go. And you guys are like, wow, he's ready to go a whole lot faster than that other guy we're hunting with. Yeah, dude with the midget legs gets out the fastest and always will, he will tear you a new ass on a trail. If you try to follow him, Kevin, you can't, you can't keep up with him. He's got little legs that move freaking quick. <laughs> that was the same time Joe went skiing down that hill yep. on snowshoes accidentally. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I don't have that kind of patience, but the one I killed first on Saturday night, that's all it took was patience. Just yeah. let it do its thing and keep its interest. And, and I think that's part of my hard thing. When you, you sit out there and you're expecting something to come at any point to any of the calls you've played, right? right? You have that kind of patience. I'm sitting out there like, okay, I should be seeing them by now if they're going to come. So when I can see a coyote and watch its body language and see exactly what it's doing at everything I do, that's when I can be a little more patient because, okay, one howl right. and it moves. Now you have something to play off of. Right, exactly. You know, if if I... If I would have done that howl and it would have stayed going the other direction, I would have switched it up. But right. I did one howl, it turned its head and started coming right at me. Yep. Five minutes later, it's still way out there. I'm still fine being quiet because I'm still watching that coyote make its way slowly towards me. Yep. You can do that without the visual cue that it's happening. To an extent. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of times, you know, if I start after dark and I'm out to a spot, I still am only doing like 30 minute sets unless I have activity. Yep. But this time of year, my favorite thing to do, and half of it is just because I like being able to relax out there is go out there. You know, usually I figure about an hour before dark is when I want to be set up yep. and just chill, maybe play some late distress, whatever. And then really then start kicking it up towards the end of the set like right at dark or just after dark um so this time of year when i start in the daylight i'll make a long set like that but if i'm out after that the rest of the sets after dark i'm still not spending as much time on the stand but i you know my call cadence still is a slower cadence than what a lot of guys use yep. um but i mean it, i vary it but yeah in general my cadence is slower on how i call yeah, like Tony Bonsegna. Golly. Bark howl, bark rabbit, bark fight, bark You said Tony Tebby was like that too out in New Mexico. Yeah, well, I mean, he sticks nonstop. with the same thing though. I mean, Tony's like all over the place. Tony right. will go from fight sounds to food sounds to pup sounds back to food sounds back to fight sounds. He'll just go around in circles. Tony Tebby We'll do cottontail distress for two minutes, bam, right into jack into jackrabbit distress. Bam, he doesn't pause. Mm -hmm. I mean, he don't stop that call. And that's kind of how I am. Like I I would much rather hear that there's noise going out there because we've also seen it when coyotes are coming quietly. I mean, even with nothing playing, and they're coming like they're coming straight to us. That same property where you killed the one last night. Remember that one we called in way across that field? Sucker looked like he was coming all the way to us now and was going to get there in two seconds. Yep. 
400 yards out, sucker <laughs> lays down and yeah. <laughs> complete interest got up and left. Yep. Like that's, that's a benefit of using thermal at night, yeah. being able to watch all that. But yeah. dude, I just can't, I can't sit there and be like, Oh, I hope they come to that one howl I let out an hour ago. And that's the thing is all those strategies will work. I mean, yes. I went down to Indiana and hunted a piece down in Indiana by the Kentucky border. And we were hunting all daylight down there back then. Well, that's been a long time ago. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. And I took a new guy with me. Um, I'd actually called coyotes in for this guy and he had yet to connect with one. And I invited him to go down there to Indiana with me. And so I called the first couple sets and then it was one o'clock in the afternoon. We finally decided to hit this other spot. And I was with a landowner. We're watching a gully in the woods down there. This is springtime, so it wasn't all leaved up yet. He went on the other side, so we're, we actually couldn't see him, but he ran the collar over there. And it was his one of his first times, call, first times calling. And he was doing, like you said, like Tony was. He was running all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. And I remember that the coyote that came in, I shot it. It came in on our side, came right in there. He had just played coyote locator from Fox Pro yep. at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Anybody that knows that sound knows it's like a group of coyotes just cutting loose. Yep. That coyote came in one o'clock in the afternoon to that call and I dumped it down there. Uh, I well, mean, so all those strategies will work. Out of curiosity, what was that terrain setup that you were in when you called one in at one o'clock? Woods. All woods. Thick all cover. woods. It was yep. all woods. The He has, gosh, what's he have down there? 500 acres, something okay. like that. And other than a couple of big food plots in a pond it's all woods and ravines okay and where we were set up was i think it was almost like a mix of hardwoods with some like brushy stuff almost like autumn olive in it but enough that you could see through it pretty clear to see something coming and that brushy olive and thick is like perfect and that coyote came in pretty as can be right through the thick stuff then down into the bottom of that gully and was headed over towards where he was on the backside when I shot it. Now, do you believe or dis disagree that uh, depending on your setup, you can kill a coyote all any time of the day? Absolutely, I agree. Yep. I mean, my, we've done it. Yep. I mean, I've killed coyotes at pretty much any time of day or night. Yep. Uh, One o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, first light, last light, all through the night. I mean, if you're if you're where the coyotes are and you have your setup right you can you can do it yeah and my first shotgun one was only five years ago four years ago the shotgun i bought from you at yeah. h&r partner pump um that was at like 12 15 in the afternoon in a public land clear cut you never killed one with that first shotgun you got from me that, that escort? Arms? never shot really? at a thing with that thing oh no nope. huh. i guess i'd forgotten about that Nope, nope. I never shot one with that. But yeah, the first one I ever killed was with that H&R partner pump that you got for me. Yep. And that setup was a spot that I could see maybe 20 yards. It was a thick clear cut, but I had a logging road running right to me. And that logging road right through the middle of all that thick, guess what it is? It's a corridor that they will travel back and forth all day, no problem, because they're in that thick cover. And that's what I did for that one. Set up in that thick cover, could see down a logging road one way, and pup distress at 12, 15 in the afternoon killed that one. Well, there's another example. Um, We had some guys that won a guided hunt from us, and I took them out to their property. They actually had, I want to say, like 1,000 acres roughly. It was a hunting 
uh, I don't know the best way to describe a hunting camp though, that a group of people own big property that they hunted all the time. And so there's me and I was just going to run the caller and we had three other guys. So it was four of us and we had made three, four other dry sets, but I wasn't really seeing any sign. We went to another part of the property. All of a sudden I seen in this path, a bunch of scat. So I said, okay, this is a good spot. They seem to congregate in this area. Let's give it a whirl. So I set two guys up in front of me and one guy watching the backside of me. And I was in the middle and I was running the collar. What's that? He said, that's me. I'm the one always watching your backside. (laughs) And uh, it was funny because let's see the one guy, I think he had a 30 out six. One guy had an AR. I don't remember what the third guy had. And, you know, I'd told him, you know, we'd done a bit of talking before we went out and I told him, I said, you gotta be ready to shoot, you know, as soon as we get something. I remember this story. (laughs) And uh, so we set up and the one guy in front of me was laying down like behind a log and I watched him and he pretty much just laid his rifle down. I put the collar out. I start running the collar and I bet it was only three minutes. All of a sudden I see this coyote started bounding in coming through the woods. This is all wooded where we're at i see this coyote bounding in through the woods and i watch this guy and like i said he had his gun laying down on his lap so he spotted it first thing he did scrambled to get up and try and get that rifle shouldered and get on and that coyote spotted him so fast it wasn't even funny (laughs) turn around was gone he got excited he he got excited you know he was happy about it and i said what'd you learn from that he said i need to be have that gun ready and (laughs) ready to shoot i I talked to a landowner this weekend about that because he's talking about the ones that he's seen come by his tree stand in the in deer season he's like dude you can't even get your bow taken off of the hook and them things spot you i said yeah they will bust any bit of movement because they're coming in they're they have to they have to find it somehow see it or smell it and they are going to do one of the two your goal is to kill them before they can right and it's hard to do in daylight you just got to be set up right and you can't be lifting and swinging a gun around while they're at 30 yards you know and, you know, that's something that I've preached for a long time is, and there was a question about this just recently on one of the Facebook groups. Someone asked, can you have success in the daylight? And I'm like, yeah, you can have success in the daylight. And if you can get to where you can consistently have success in the daylight, nighttime is going to be a breeze. Oh, yeah. If, if you if you can get to where you can, can do good in the daylight, you know you're doing your stuff right. Yep. That's my opinion, but I feel very confident in saying that. No, I agree because daylight calling is way harder than it is at night. Right. You, you have to know so much more about the terrain, the cover, the area. I mean, the spots that I go shotgun are spots that I have walked miles and miles and miles around because I deer hunt them. So I know the thick cover. And most of the times where the deer come out of during deer season is the same spots I will go in any time of summer and call coyotes out of because they are so thick. Sure. And they can have a den in there. No problem. Nothing's ever going to get to them and bother them. They're all, it's all cover. Yep. So if, if you can go out there and do it in daylight like that, yeah, I feel like you've got a pretty good idea of what you're doing and nighttime will definitely be a lot easier after that point. Yep. That's how we started though, Kevin. That's how it we is. learned. hundred percent how we started. You know, we had to, we didn't yeah. really have a choice unless, I mean, even if, even when it got into lights, you know, the lights that I started with sucked. Mm-hmm. You were lucky to see 
a couple hundred yards and you had to get them in real close. Plus we were rim fire shotgun only rules at that point. Yep. I mean, we, we did a lot more daytime hunting. My first, my first kill ever at night. But then after that, it was like mostly all daytime for a long time. And then we finally started getting into the higher end, you know, thermals, night visions, stuff like that. And quite honestly, I just do better work at night. I'm, yeah. I'm alone. There's nobody else to worry about. I'm not always alone. You know what I mean? The less coyotes are more likely to come in. Yeah. Less chance of people messing up your set too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin, we've been on here for about an hour and a half tonight. What's the rest of your night looking like? Nothing special. I'm crashing early tonight. I was, didn't get back in last night till about midnight. So I'm going to crash early tonight. What time do you go to work? I get up at five thirty-five. So my alarm went off at 4.45 this morning, and then I actually woke up at 6.15. (laughs) (laughs) But I was out until just that dark, but I'm not doing too much of the nighttime stuff right now. It really sucks with it getting dark at 10 o'clock at night. But it's a lot cooler at night. It is. It definitely is. It's not cooler than it is in the winter when it's dark at 5. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go, one more story from you. Oh, from me? Yes, from you. So since we've talked on this episode, and the last episode was the um, SSA meeting. Shooters Association. (laughs) Recount one of your best hunts in terms of your performance. There's a long shot or multiples or whatever. Oh, well, I got a long shot one. And this one I'll credit ATN for, honestly. Um using an ATN Thor four with the ABL 1000 range finder last year during great lakes or two years ago, um, during the great lakes predator challenge, Tony Bonin-Segna and my brother, uh, Tony had missed one that came out on the edge of a field. And I, I mean, he couldn't have missed it by much, but when he missed it, his bullet went back into those woods. And I think it made enough noise that it kicked that coyote out into the field. Or was that the one with you? I shot one on the run with you and him one time that he had missed. I but either, either, way, either way, either way, he had missed this one and it takes off down this field. And you've been to this field. Um, I can't really explain it so you can think of it. But I have a long ways to shoot on that one. And using the, the what is it, the ballistic uh, calculator? Well, the ballistic calculator, but that one reticle that they've got. Oh, the, um, the smart mill dot? Yeah. So that one, when you take a range through the ABL range finder, and I don't know with the new generation stuff, this is all gen, this is all Thor 4, 4K, stuff like that. I don't know what the five, everything has. Um, But with that Thor 4 and the ABL range finder, that coyote stopped. I hit it with the ABL and it was, I think, 493 yards with the 243. And... What I loved about that scope and that reticle was when it would take a range and you had all your input data in there, it would tell you where you need to hold over by putting this little tiny teal dot on your crosshairs. Yep. And we were during a tournament and that coyote was standing still. I ranged it. It was 493 or 496. I put that blue dot on it, pulled the trigger, and that coyote did what you want every one of them to do just straight (laughs) straight down didn't even twist um that was probably my longest shot i don't know we've killed so many coyotes we've killed so many coyotes together i'm just happy to drag one out of a field 
but 495 yards is a lot longer drag (laughs) that 490 yard drag sucked because that was a year we had a lot of snow and that was a drifted field and i had to we were 200 yards from the truck and i had to walk another 490 yards out in the field (laughs) almost 700 yard drag up that field just to check in one coyote at a tournament (laughs) that's why i've always been so good at tournaments i can bring in one or none i never won them But no, I mean, I've had sets where I've killed doubles. I've killed a triple. I killed a triple with a photon, uh, my first triple ever, and then go a mile around the corner and my gun's off eight inches and I miss a double. Um, I've had, I mean, I've had follow-up shots that I've impressed myself with where I'm like, okay, now I'm finally starting to get the hang of where to hold on one running. That is a very hard thing to compensate for. And there are guys that are super good at it. And I give them credit because every bit of it is how far they are and how fast they're going or slow. And I miss range that I misjudge it all the time. I miss runners quite often, but honestly, if they're running full tilt away from me or something, I don't even squeeze because at that point the odds are good that I'm not going to connect. So what's the point? Um, but yeah, what about you? So the two that come to mind for me right off the bat was the two that I shot with one shot. And yeah. those, again, I, like you said, I was using the ABL because those ones were, I think, 260. Yep. And I'd been watching them and they lined up and I'm like, what the heck? I'm going to try it. Boom. Shot him. The first one dropped. The other one ran in a quick, like, C and then dropped. Well, yeah, but that one ran like it wasn't even hit, if I remember. Yeah. Right. At first, it ran in like a C shape, but only ran, what, maybe 30 yards yep. and then just dropped. So that was that was pretty wild. That lucky was... you and my cousin. Lucky. Yep. <laughs> and then the other one was my longest shot, and that was um, I was hunting with Mike Latrell, one of his spots. We had this coyote come in, stopped at right about two hundred yards. We did a countdown. Both shot, both missed. My gun jammed. Coyote took off running. I cleared the jam, and he says that coyote's still out there. I'm like, really? where has down there at the end of the field so i looked and i'm like well what the heck i've already shot at it once you know i might as well shoot <laughs> at it again i said man that's a ways out there so i held over it shot it ran about 10 20 yards and dropped i was like holy crap we ranged that and it was like 430 yards and that's with the grendel yeah it was with my grendel yep how much drop you think there was in that i figure i held over that by probably two feet give or take it's hard to tell at that range and everything else, but I'd guess I'd, I held over it at least the height of the coyote. And what's your zero? Uh, I zero most of my guns at 100 and then confirm them at 200. And usually I'm good out to 200, no problem. Yep. Past that, then it starts to drop and gets a little iffy. From... Is that because of the weight of the bullet or because of how much powder is behind it? It's yes. not hot. It's not a hot round, right? Actually, my hand load is pretty warm in that, oh, and okay. I'm shooting the 100 grain. Back then, actually, I think I was shooting the 95 grain VMAX, which does shoot a lot flatter. Yep. Now I'm shooting the 100 grain ballistic tip mostly, and that's still pretty hot. I mean, I think that's cruising along at around 2,900 feet per second, yep. um, and it's still pretty good. Um, I mean, the most common load in the Grendel is a 123 grain AMAX. That one drops off a lot faster. Um, so these ones shoot flatter and shoot well for me yep yep but those two stand out you know in memory of the ones that 
I was most impressed with my shot. I did have one running shot a couple of years back. Um, I had a double shot. The first one, it dropped second one took off running. I think I hit it and rolled it on my second shot, probably just over 200 yards. And one, there's a cartwheel after you shot it, you know? Yep. But those are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah. No, there was another one with Tyler Volink, my old neighbor. He moved. I'm sad. Um, we had a coyote in the landowner's food plot. I was up on top of a cornfield looking down at this food plot. And this coyote comes in down into that food plot. And it was like 305 yards, I think. And this was right after my hospital visit that I just saw the memory of it today. That's why I, I'm remembering it now. Um, that coyote stood in that food plot, just barking and howling at us. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try one. It was once again with the Thor four and the ABL rangefinder, And, uh, yeah, 305 yards. I, I shut it up because it was getting lippy with us and, uh, it needed to learn who was boss out in that field. <laughs> but that was another one with the 243, dude. I love that 243. And the nice thing is you have it in two different platforms. Yeah. One that I can't shoot the freaking Ruger stupid thing misses in daylight <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get that thing well, back in again here soon so of the two rifles your ar-10 and your bolt action which one at this point has the highest kill count oh the ar really oh by a long because you've hunted with that 243 for a long time yeah but but at that point we were doing what 10 coyotes a year right now 30 40 50 60 of them a year is nothing and most of the time i mean most of the time i'm going out with thermal anymore because it's effective and my ar-10 when i'm feeling on that gun is i mean it's smoke show that everything dies when i'm on um but no that kind that gun's been a part of what we build that four years ago probably at least if not more so that, that gun alone has killed probably over 300 coyotes between me and other people that I've let shoot it. Nice. Um, I mean, that, that gun just, I should have you build me like three more. Grave <laughs> your name on them. Because Kevin's not going to be here forever. And I need that stuff. But no, that, that AR is, yeah, like I said, back in the Ruger night vision all the time days, it was, it was a good year to get 20 of them, you know. Now right. it's. Now it's a, a normal year to get 40, 50 of them. And that's just going out how I do now, not every day, you know? So yep. that, that gun's killed a lot of coyotes. And I've changed between multiple different rounds with the 243. You've been yep. with me through most of it. Uh, 58 grain VMAX, I had a lot of lost coyotes with. Um, don't know why. A lot of people I see using that 50 gra- 58 grain out of what? The six millimeter arc people are shooting that, I think uh yeah 58 yeah and you can load 58 grain for your six millimeter right yep um there's people that dump them and i killed a lot of coyotes with that round too but i also had a lot of coyotes that i mean you could see it right in video that i was right on shoulder it should have just blown them right down and they'd get up and run and i would never find them um so then i changed i I remember there was one 65 grain you tried for a while yeah i was just gonna mention there's a guy that gave me some 65ers to try one time. I won't mention his name because he doesn't deserve it. Um, and and those ones hit pretty hard too. But then when I changed to that 70 grain nozzler, it was like, you now anymore, 
I'm not in it for fur anymore. I've got fur in my freezer that I can't get rid of. I can't right. give the fur to anybody because nobody wants it. Yep. I want a dead coyote. When I shoot it, I want that coyote to die right now dead. I don't care about the hole. Um, and that 70-grain Nosler and now that 75-grain Hornady, they do some fur damage if you get them in bone and it goes through them and it just explodes. But I get a dead coyote in the end. Yeah. And that's my end goal. I mean, if furs were worth a lot more money or, or worth even a couple bucks to somebody to come get them from me, then I'd be more worried about it. But now it's just landowners want coyotes gone and I can't get rid of the, the furs to anybody to use them. So sure. I just want dead coyote, whether that be a massive gaping wound, like the one that you saw this weekend or a pinhole prick. I don't care either way. I want dead coyote. Yep. But yeah, I've been I've been through two 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 forty threes and I don't plan on getting rid of them anytime. Um they are my favorite two guns and like I said, when you hit them right, they do what they're supposed to do. So anything else? Nope, I'm good. All righty. Well, I do believe my wife just walked in from work, so I probably better go make sure I tidied <laughs> up the house correctly and stuff. Um everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh Kevin and I just decided to do this one by herself this week we had a few stories to share so it's good to always talk to you and just as an fyi to the listeners out there we do have some guests hopefully that will come through that i think you guys will really want to listen to hopefully uh i know one that josh and i just talked about he said maybe in july he'd be able to get on with us um got another guy that's a deer specialist that we're hoping to have on here not too long uh, so we definitely have some more guests coming on, give you a little bit more varied content and hopefully some good information, good stories. Yeah. And I want people to understand too, again, this is not like our job. We don't get paid right. to do this. We have full-time jobs, families, other stuff going on. So lining people up with our schedules and availability sometimes is just difficult to do. And honestly, I can deal with this conversation between us two all day, every day. We've we've always got something to talk about. So if you get bored of just listening to us two talk about how bad we shoot and you know a couple coyotes every now and then, I mean, we're just going to have some of these episodes where it's just us BSing between each other. And I kind of like that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, we, we've tried to get a lot of stuff scheduled and it's like, man, with what he's got available or she's got available and what we've got available, it's like... We got one guy that's been wanting us to come up and see a product and hunt up there. And it's just like, we got to, it just got to work into the rest of the schedule, you know, and right. it's hard to deal with when you got everything else going on. So yep. if you guys are listening this far, we thank you all so much. Um, if anybody wants to be a guest, I don't care if you want to come on and just talk coyote hunting, um, questions about coyote hunting, share cool stories. We will talk to pretty much anybody. So yep. if you want yep. on, send us a message. And about just about anything outdoors too, fishing, yes. deer hunting, you know, we, we like to talk about it all. That's the next thing. I got to go fishing. I haven't been fishing in like a week, dude. And I'm, that might I tell be. you what, it, it's getting hot up here. I mean, there are so many tournaments on the lake up here. It's oh, not yeah. even funny. I bet bass season's in now soon. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Kevin, thanks for taking the time tonight. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you all later next week on the Overdrive Outdoors podcast.